Thank you. Well, shalom, shalom. Hey, that's pretty good for a first time. I was at a conference years ago and kept saying shalom, shalom each night of the conference I was preaching and finally some back, some guy in the way back sat there and yelled out, well, what does shalom mean? And I said, <clears throat> shalom means you're going to give me $1,000. <laughs> yeah, why do I always get laughter with that? I don't know. But anyway, by the way, that's why I say it twice, shalom, shalom, because can't get one, maybe I can get 2,000, but uh, anyhow, <clears throat> it's a joy to be back. Um, I, was, I knew Brother Gary Jane, the, the uh, previous pastor that founded the church, I believe, and, um, and then Brother Reno as well, and so it's a joy to be here, and uh, some things have changed. I don't remember this, but um, anyhow, um, I think this seems smaller, but that's okay. Um, you might want to turn your <coughs> Bible to Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, as I talk a little bit first about Olive Tree Ministry, um, we are a church-based, independent Baptist Jewish outreach ministry out of the Victory Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. And uh, we've been going now 28 years. We started, I'm the founder and director of it. <clears throat> and our ministry, our vision, our desire is that churches like yourself, sister churches like yourself, will catch a vision, a burden, as you're reaching the lost people in your community, you'll also look to reach the Jewish people as well. Anybody know a Jewish person in this community? Wonderful. Uh, if they're not saved, uh, would you do me a favor? Would you write down the lost person's name and then your name and put CM, please, for church member so we can know who's who? And uh, we'll pray, we'll put it on our prayer list, and uh, if you send in an extra $25, we'll lay hands on, put holy war, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, just joking. That's, that's my TV ministry, I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm, I like to have fun, I'm in the pulpit a lot, I preach a lot, and I like to laugh, I like to hear people laugh, and uh, sometimes I want to make fun of those TV ministries, but, uh, but uh, anyhow... Uh, we would like your prayer, uh, your name and their name, and let me explain why. We have churches, I'm in churches all over the United States and outside of the United States, and I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me saying, uh, uh, Brother, Brother Phil, um, I only know one Jew, and that's you, and you're saved. And so we send them our prayer list, and uh, we pray, and then we try to pray every third Friday of the month, we have what's called a virtual trip to Israel right now. It's our Jewish Heritage Night. And um, we take everybody on the virtual trip to Israel. We, at the beginning of it, uh, pick someone on the prayer list to pray, especially for you, the church member, uh, that you'd be able to be a witness, and uh, as well as uh, that, that Jewish person would be receptive. And uh, uh, we ask that you keep us informed as God uh, allows. And so... Uh, if you would, do me the favor and um, write your name and, like I said, the Jewish person that uh, uh, you're talking, you would like prayer for. Uh, we also, we've got that many hands raised. We'll come up with a list and send that back to your pastor. So he'll have that list as well. Uh, sometimes just one or two names. I still send them back to the pastor, but um, I always send back the, the higher number. So if you would do that, uh, because I think a church should be reaching the lost, both Jew and Gentile. We're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
Is, is it on your prayer list? Oh, my goodness. I've, had, I've been in church. I'll never forget one church. Had a book of prayers that they were praying for. It was a book. And they were praying for everybody and their pet dog. I'm serious. They had, someone was praying for their puppy dog. But they didn't have pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And then the pastor looked at me and said, do you have anything to add to our prayer list? And I said, sure do. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So that's praying for Jewish people to come to know Christ. There's, uh, the, there's no greater peace that passes all understanding than Christ himself. And so Olive Tree Ministry, we, we seek to work with local churches, uh, independent Baptist churches, get, seeking to reach their Jewish friends. Uh, Olive Tree, like I said, been going 28 years. And I was mentioning a, a virtual, our Jewish Heritage Night. We're doing a virtual tour to Israel. And uh, this started out uh, 18 months ago because of COVID. We went to Zoom. And uh, many people have told me, oh, Brother Phil, I want to go to Israel. We've led 14 trips to Israel. And uh, we may be able to do one next October. I don't know. But uh, anyhow, we're trying to see if we can. But uh, uh, a lot of people can't ever go because of cost, time, and all the other stuff. And so we started this virtual tour. And... um, uh, the neat thing is, and I don't want this to get around too much because I am a Jewish ministry, but this virtual tour that we're doing is free. I both say it's too loud. <laughs> but it's, don't tell your name. Yeah. Anyway, and so uh, if you're interested, if you'll give me your email address and just say virtual trip to Israel, VTI, uh, we'll get you on the list. And uh, we're excited to see uh, we have a hundred some people on it. And uh, they are following us as we teach on the, uh, be this Friday, we're going over the uh, eight uh, gates of Jerusalem. And then on my website are the past files that you can get as of right now at no cost. Uh, It's going to be used, this what I'm doing, as a college class at two colleges. And it's being translated into Portuguese. And they're already, they can't wait for the Portuguese, so the uh, the missionaries already told me they want to put it in some of the colleges there in, in Brazil, and it's also being translated into Spanish. And so we're excited for this. This is a major undertaking. I right now have 20 files, and each file is 130 frames. So this is a very um, a lot of work being done. So I ask for your prayers for that. Again, if I didn't say it, thank you for your prayers and support. Thank you for that mission house. Wow. What a beauty that is. That is just gorgeous, and it's the first time for us to stay in it. Uh, so uh, it's a joy. So with that being said, let's get into the message. Again, you can come up my display. If you have a questions about anything I've just said, a virtual tour or the Jewish person, uh, let me know, and we will um, um, talk with you at back at our table. But we're in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 3. And since I have to stand, why don't you stand for just a little bit? And uh, why do we stand? Uh, Ezra, back in uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, he was on a a pulpit of wood, as I'm on a pulpit of wood. He was in front of the pulpit as well, as I am. Now, in his case, uh, Ezra had uh, six guys on the right and seven on the left. That was because he was going to be speaking Hebrew, and a lot of people didn't know Hebrew, so they had to go out to translate. Now... Hopefully my English will be good enough tonight that I don't need 13 men to go out and translate what I'm saying. So we're in Matthew chapter 3, but that's why the people stood when the Word of God was open. So that's why I like to do it. Matthew chapter 3, 
The Bible says in the beginning of verse 1, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Stop for a quick second. One of the things I like to teach is that when you study the Bible, when you read the Bible, if there's any individual you don't know, go look them up. If there's a place like Wilderness of Judea, you need to go find a picture, a location, a map where that's at. This is how you learn your Bible. You don't need some big book, read the Bible for all it's worth. No, just take your time. There's no rush. So Wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of of heaven is at hand. He continued on, for this is he that speaketh of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he's calling Isaiah 40, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Let's jump over for time's sake and go to uh, verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and we're baptizing of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Let me make sure you understand, when it comes to salvation, your sins become so strong, so impact, realizing you've broken God's word. That's what God uses to bring you to him. And we see this here of confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, let me stop for a second here. Pharisees were the religious group. They were the religious people on the, uh, in, the, in the streets. But the Sadducees, they were the liberal group. They were the politicians. Uh, they also controlled the temple and the high priest as well. So they were the more up, upstanding individuals. And their coming to this baptism implies to me maybe some of their group was being baptized. They want to see what was going on. Oh, I'll tell you what, we've missed inviting people to church, telling others to come see what's going on. And so anyhow, Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. And John said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And you are proof of that. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege. Lord, we pray the message will impact people. Maybe one here not sure of salvation. Maybe raised in the church. Maybe hadn't been going to church very often. But they see the impact of what the Word of God teaches that they come to Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, and with thanksgiving, amen, you may be seated. <coughs> the Bible is full of warnings. Our nation is full of warnings, especially today. And unheeded warnings leads to disaster. In Greek mythology, there was a beautiful a lady named Cassandra, she was daughter of the king of Troy and the uh, god, little g, god of Apollo. Uh, he was the son of Zeus. He uh, uh, really liked her, and so he gave her the um, power to uh, give to see the future. Unfortunately, she spurned this uh, god, uh, little g, of course, and, and all. And so because of that, 
he cursed her to where she had the gift of prophecy, but no one would believe her predictions. And so it, thus she became an epic, tra tragic figure, grain of powerful uh, ability, yet powerless to use it. In many ways, the Bible gives us warning, does it not? But the curse, the sin through Adam, allows man to reject, or if they don't reject their sister, their famous sister, ignore, because that's typically what happens, ignore them at their own peril. In America, we're used to warnings, the most craziest types. You go to McDonald's and there's a warning saying the coffee is hot. If you have dry cleaning done, it'll say, uh, the plastic will say, don't put this over your head. Years ago, uh, I was in Honduras and uh, we were at with the uh, Prades, Harold and Lena Prady, virtue missionary. We've gone over there several, t uh, three times. And, and we were there and we left that morning to do some things we need to get done. I think we made some visits, wherever. And uh, as we came back, it was getting late in the afternoon, but it still was bright. And as we got close to their house to take a right, I saw a tree in the middle of the road. I said, Brother Prady, was that tree hurt there early when we left? And he kind of laughed and said, no. He said, uh, they just paved the road, but they don't plan very well. And so they had to probably fix something. So they drilled a hole or four foot wide. It was probably eight, ten feet deep. It was deep. And he said, we're fortunate they put a tree in to warn us. Because normally they don't even do that. And you could, the car would actually fall in. Both John, as we just read, and Jesus warned these Pharisees and Sadducees. Jesus had said, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? You know, the Lord Jesus preached a lot about hell. Today, we don't hear much about it. But I always like what my pastor says, if you're going to preach about hell, do it with tears. This is, not, this is not to be a krugel over somebody's head, but you wouldn't want your worst enemy to go there. And so he uses the word serpent. That brings everybody back to Genesis with Adam and Eve and the serpent. You remember, deceived Eve. And uh, Adam uh, understood and purposely rejected what God had told him. And then he uses Jesus, how can you escape? As I read that, I had to look it up a little bit, but uh, I didn't realize uh, that uh, I'm not a farmer by trade. If you have a lot of preachers that come to your church and preach, if you ever heard some of those guys, they'll talk about when they used to milk the cows and do all sorts of farm work and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's not me. I'm a city slicker. That's all I know. Always been in the city. I have to look things up when it comes to animals and uh, things of that nature. And I found that the farmers, even today, do this. They will, after they have harvested the crops, they will burn the field to, to, to uh, remove the stubble of the field in preparation for the next planting season. And so as the fire would come through the field, there would be maybe a den of snakes, vipers, and uh, they would try to flee. And many times they're not able to move fast enough and they would be killed. 
John and Jesus, his warning was meant to make the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, it was meant to make you and I to be aware of the wickedness that we really are. Which is so strange today because most people don't even look at themselves as being wicked. Now they look at it as just that's what I like to do. I mean, nowadays it's, uh, it's uh, everything is, uh, that the, anybody wants to do in their own mind and thought, they have that right according to what's being spoken of now today in America. But the point of this is how can you and I escape the fire wrath of God's judgment? You can't escape it. It's for all. The wrath of God is for all who won't repent. Remember, that's what I was reading. They were repenting of their sins and putting their faith and trust in Jesus. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Let me stop for a second. Wrath to come. That word speaks of a violent emotion, an anger. What wrath is John speaking of? The wrath is speaking about that terrible uh, of what would take place. That there would be two deaths. The natural and the second death. The first death, Romans 6 says, For the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God, praise the Lord for that, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 9 says, And as ye are appointed unto man once to die, but after this is a judgment. And so we're all appointed to die. Years ago, I was up here in Washington, and, and uh, um, back then I used to read the paper. I don't read it anymore. It's, anyway, um, I'll not go down that road. And so I went to uh, the store where I was near where I was staying, and uh, this lady was, uh, that was a clerk behind the desk, she was in tears. And I looked at her and I said, well, what, what's wrong? And she said, oh, my favorite, I think it was a singer. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. But uh, my favorite singer had died. And I looked at her and said, well, you realize nobody gets out of this world alive unless the rapture takes place. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you're going to miss the rapture. And so I was able to talk with her about the gospel. Listen, we all are going to be in that position should the Lord uh, coming back is not in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years or more. That's the first death. Then there's a second death. He, Acts 17 says, Because he hath pointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. God's going to judge the world. You know, a lot of times, we want to judge ourselves in comparison to others. You know, I'll say, hey, I'm better than that guy over there. I mean, I tithe. I give. I mean, you know, he just hardly shows up. And we want to think of ourselves, we must be pretty good. But see, until you compare yourself to a holy and righteous God, do you realize the lostness of your sin and who you are? The warning, the wrath that was to come who is going to feel this wrath in this second death? Now, let me set the stage here. We're in the church age now. We're waiting for the shout. We're waiting for the upper taker, not the undertaker. <laughs> and then we have, after the rapture, we've got on earth, God's going to bring Israel back. The church is no more. 
There's going to be seven years of tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble. And at the end of that seven years, Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, you're going to come back and rule and reign with him. And that's going to last for a thousand years. And at the end of that thousand years, there's going to be the great white throne of judgment. That all who had died without Christ will be judged a final time. Who are these individuals? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Revelation 21, 8 says, But the fearful, what is he talking about fearful? Remember, if you're saved, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. Fearful, fear to stand up to a godless world. We have a lot of followers today. Whatever the world says, they just go along with it. And unbelieving, Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Without Christ, without uh, putting your faith and trust in Christ alone, heaven's not going to be your home. The abominable, those who live in open sin, who practice detestable vices, whose conduct suited to excite disgust and abhorrence. Aren't you glad we don't have that problem today? Oh yeah, right. That's all over the place. I mean, today it's, it, it's unbelievable. I, uh, years ago, uh, we went out to a restaurant. Well, not that long ago. We went out to a restaurant, and as I was coming down off the steps, I saw this guy walk by me. And I'm serious. He had put horns on his head. And my mouth kind of dropped open. <laughs> they, people today, they're, they're out of the closet. And guess who they're putting in the closet? Christians. If you haven't noticed what's going on right now, it's you Christians and we Christians who are, are causing the problem with everything from COVID to anything you're going to blame. And we can see they're slowly starting to, uh, to be cha uh, change how America looks. I had a second message I was going to preach on that, but I've stayed with this one. Who else is going to be there? Murderers, whoremongers, that's who are sexual promiscuous. And sorcerers, now you got to be careful here. Sorcerers, what he's speaking of, is not the uh, um, um, Harry Potter type sorcery, the make-believe. Talking, it's talking about the, uh, the word there is uh, pharmacus, uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Drugs are becoming now legal. I mean, they're coming, marijuana, all that stuff, it's getting more and more to be legal. Idolaters and all liars shall have, listen, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. By the way, when this all takes place, guess what you and I are going to, if you're a believer in Christ, guess where you're going to be? We're going to be with Christ and we're going to be watching. And There'll be tears in our eyes because we're going to see lost loved ones. I'll see my dad, my mom, and my brother. The good news is God will wipe away every tear. What a joy that will be. God has always warned his people. Now, what I want to cover, time here, I want to cover why people reject. You ever do a, you ever hear when they have a, a vote, or no, let me just put it this way, this is easier. Have you ever been on a court case? 
I was on a court case some years ago, and um, uh, we, we gave a not guilty vote. And uh, afterwards, a lawyer came up to me, several lawyers came up to me and said, well, why did you vote not guilty? What about this evidence? Did you, what was the impact? And so we tried to explain our viewpoint and what we thought. And, and, and then politicians will, if they don't get elected, uh, they'll sit there and say, well, I never got my, uh, my vision out to the people. And so it's, it's always good to find out why people reject what they do. Because God's always warned his people. Look, he warned Noah, uh, through Noah, he warned the world that it was going to be a flood. He said, I'll end all flesh, I'll destroy them. Man's sin in chapter 6 was every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Boy, does that sound like now, today? God has always warned his people. Babylon also was coming from the north because Israel uh, was not listening. Jeremiah chapter 6 says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They didn't have faith. And because they did not have faith in God, they wouldn't listen to what the word of God said. And they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord. Now listen to this. The word of the Lord <clears throat> is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. What caused them not to listen? They lacked faith. They rejected what God has said. They ignored the warning. When it says reproach, that the word of God was a reproach, that's a strong word. It, it actually speaks of taunt. See, the word of God tells the lost, this is truth. This is what thus saith the Lord. This is what you are supposed to be doing. It taunts them because they want to do what they want to do. They want to do anything they can, what feels good to them. And the Bible taunts them. The wisdom of the Bible taunts the world of what their life is. It's amazing how people are living like the devil today uh, and all the different groups who are being um, coming out of the closet doing everything they want to do. And, and they really have to, um, if, they're very defensive most of the time, but they're, getting that, they're now aggressive and forceful, but they were always defensive. Why? Because the Bible shouts, you're lost. You're bound for hair and hell. The Bible taunts the individual. As the Bible brings no joy or happiness. Can I stop here for a second? <clears throat> When's the last time you had, you learned something from the Bible and you were so joyful, you were so excited? When's the last time that happened? <clears throat> I remember years ago, I was writing my book on Iraq and uh, I was struggling to understand something and I came to the point finally uh, I went outside and just started walking, thinking what I, was, what I was writing on. And all of a sudden, the light came on. Maybe you've had that happen before. And I finally understood. I got so excited. And I was just shouting, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, I hear a guy behind me going, sir, are you okay? And it was a walk path. And so uh, he said he was a Christian. And so for the next 10 minutes, I was excited to tell them what God had. I felt God had opened up to me. Listen, this is what we need in our churches today, excitement. They got this 
pout mouth. Where oh, I'm so, I mean, it's terrible Christianity. I mean, just I gotta go to church. I gotta tithe. Listen, we get to do these things. Oh my goodness, we need excitement because excitement will breed excitement. Uh, that's true, and not only spiritually, it's true in the world. My wife and I like to watch uh, American Pickers and. Uh, they find uh, motorcycle parts and things of that nature. And I don't even like motorcycles. <laughs> this is a 1914. I'm going, okay. But he was excited. Are you excited about your walk with the Lord? When's the last time you came and you were telling your neighbor, your neighbor or your friend just something God had taught you? Or maybe what the pastor said that really hit home to you. We get excited about that stupid thing on television, those games. Guy throws a touchdown pass or something at the last moment and uh, 50, 60,000 people are screaming and cheering and yelling. And then after the game, they do all sorts of damage around the area. They're excited about their team winning, which means nothing because it's always next year. But uh, when's the last time you got excited? I'm serious about this. This is what's lacking in our church and in our witness. We need to be excited. The Bible strikes at the very heart of an individual by cutting through all the fake philosophical views that many people use to justify their wrongdoing. Well, this is how my dad did. This is how my mom did. My grandpa did this. Well, this is just the way I am, preacher. As if like you're some animal and you can't be changed. Listen. The Holy Spirit can change a life. I've seen it over and over and over. And I know personally, raised in an Orthodox Jewish home, uh, my brother was a Lubavitch rabbi, uh, raised in that type of home. When I got saved, it also cost, I was kicked out of the house. But he changed me completely. And he can change you. Hebrews 4 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrows, and is a what? A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Boy, that's beautiful. It's the Word of God, not my, test, not my thoughts and education, that kind of stuff. The Word of God is what's sharper. Witnessing to someone your job is to get them to not listen to your stories, though they may be interesting. Not listen to your depth of your knowledge, though that may be very deep. But to read the Word of God. And if you read the Word of God, it will do everything you need to do. Because it will go right where it's supposed to do and then... When that person stops reading the Bible, he'll come to someone asking questions. And many times you can bring them to Christ. So Jeremiah had said they have no, uh, it was a reproach and they had no delight as we've been talking about. To take pleasure and delight, uh, to be pleased with. I take no delight in drinking coffee. I tell everybody I gave up coffee for Lent. If you're ex-Catholic, you'll know what I'm talking about. My wife drinks enough coffee for both of us. She loves coffee. I take no delight in it. Yet today, Bible ignorance has become so strong, so overwhelming in our, in our neighborhoods, in our friends, 
to where they don't, if they even don't even have a Bible. Psalms 1 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. When we meditate on God's word, by the way, that doesn't mean just read. Meditate, study to show yourself approved unto God. Now, we delight in many things today, don't we? We delight in our job when we get a raise, a new home, our families, our children who we watch and enjoy, and grandchildren, nothing sweeter on God's green earth, sports teams, hobbies, vacations. We glory in all that. Go look, I can go in your house and I can see what you're glorying, what's happy, what makes you special. But when you glory and when you delight in God's word and you take joy in it and it becomes front and center of your life, I promise you it'll change a lot what's in your house. Years ago, back in 1965, they had a a TV series, you older people that remember this. It was called Lost in Space. If you remember this uh, sitcom, they had a computer uh, uh, machine and it would walk with the family and, and talk with the family and all that they did with the computers back then. And for somehow it could sense where a problem was going to arise. And when a problem arose, it would start saying, Danger, Will Robinson, danger, Will Robinson, as a warning that danger was about. We're to take heed in the purpose of the Bible that warns us. Ezekiel in chapter 3, I'll not take the time because time in Puyallup goes faster than anywhere else, and that clock is moving. But in chapter 3, <clears throat> it says, it speaks about warning the people. And if you don't warn them, blood is on your hands. And, but if you warn them, then it's not. It's very simple as that. You're not to be a stumbling block. Our actions and labor is to bring them to Christ. Let me give this closing. The Bible gives us warning. In John chapter 14, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no child, no one come unto the Father but by me. One last illustration and I'll be through. Many years ago, when I was but a ye lad, hard for a southern Jew to talk uh, um, um, uh, like a um, Scottish person. I remember my dad buying a car back then. He loved the car, except it had one problem. It didn't have gauges. It had lights. And my dad would call those lights idiot lights. Or stupid lights. Because when the light came on, it's too late. The, the car oil, gone, and your engine's locked up. Just pull it off the side and throw it in the trash. Too late. 
If it overheats and the idiot light comes on, idiot, you didn't put water in there. It's too late. Pull it over. Everything's fused together with the heat. Idiot lights. There's the, 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 it's, when it comes on, it's too late. You have an idiot light in that if you reject the gospel and you die without Christ, that's it. There is no more second chance. We all are going to die unless the rapture takes place. But those that have put their faith and trust in Christ alone, they're going to rise as Christ arose from the grave with, the, with first fruits. But you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, when your idiot light comes on, that means you die. It's too late. There is no second chance. And not only will you die then at that great white throne of judgment, you'll be thrown into the lake of fire never, ever to have a relationship with God or any lost loved, any loved ones who are saved. How sad is that? I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go through that. With your head bowed and your eyes closed as we go into this invitation time. Warning! Warning! The Bible's full of warnings. Israel was warned, but they had uncircumcised ear. They wouldn't listen. Noah warned the world of the flood, and the people wouldn't listen. Jeremiah warned the people, but their ears were uncircumcised and wouldn't listen. If you've never accepted Christ, are you listening? Do you understand that you're lost, bound for eternal damnation, with no recourse? Has there ever been a time when you've thought of your life and, and you thought of the sinfulness of who you are? As John was baptizing, the impact of what he was preaching caused people to come to Christ, to come to the Messiah, to come to God uh, and, as they confessed their sins. And I'm not talking about little bitty small sins. We have that Adamic nature that makes us all sinners and desire to sin. Has there been a time where you re realized that you have lost, that you have, uh, uh, have never confessed your sins and asked Christ to come in your heart and save you? Our gracious Heavenly Father, maybe there's one here who's not sure of that salvation. Maybe at the invitation time, they would come to the front, take one of the members' hand here or talk with me, and we get that straight. But what about the brethren here? What about the sister in here, the church members? When's the last time you invited someone to church? When's the last time you got excited about the word of God? When's the last time you brought, picked somebody up and brought them to church? When's the last time you put your heart and soul in seeing this church grow? Oh, we have a lot of people that are kind of sitting aside and let others doing the work. 20% doing 80% of the work. It should be in our churches the opposite. 80% doing all the work. Our gracious Heavenly Father, this invitation, would you whisper in their hearts what they need and then when they make public, either by coming to the front or there right where they're at, praying and asking God to impact them 
like they did with John the Baptist and they did with others as God had warned them of what was to come. In Jesus' name I pray and with thanksgiving, amen. As we stand quietly to our feet.